Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, hello and welcome to the latest Bicycling Australia podcast. This is coming to you live from the Forbes Street Studios in Sydney, um, just down the road from the Bicycling Australia offices. This is our third podcast. We've got some awesome guests lined up for you this month. I'll introduce those guys in just a second. First up to some of the top stories from our website over the past month. Well, the first story is not so good. Uh, This relates to the tragic death of Jason Lowndes, one of our much-loved pro cyclists who was killed while training near Bendigo around two years ago. Uh, The woman that was driving the car that hit Jason was in court this week. She was fined $2,000, ordered to undertake 200 hours community service and banned from driving for two years. Yes, a mobile phone was involved and yes, there's absolute outrage in the cycling community. I think we'll talk to our guests about this very shortly. Um, It's a very serious issue uh, and there just seems to be no end of this um, in the cycling world. Um, other very sad news, we will come to good news shortly, but in other sad news, Paralympian Kieran Modra was killed over the, in the past couple of weeks. Again, he was training on a bike uh, just out of Adelaide, an absolute legend of the sport, and we do express our deepest sympathy to family, friends, and his many fans and supporters. This guy was an absolute Australian legend, um, a, a real standout athlete. Um, shortly, we'll be talking to Pat Yonker, who's one of our guests on the um, on the podcast this month, and Pat has actually ridden, trained, and knows Karen. Um, so we'll just talk to Pat very shortly. Um, to better news, guys. So the lead story we've got on our website at the moment is another bike review, and it's actually another e-bike. It's the Bianchi E-Aria. So E-Road, it's it's obviously still a contentious issue, but it is gaining popularity. A lot of people are talking E-Road. There are advantages. Um, so yeah, a lot of people are, are getting onto that story on our site and um, and we'd love you to have a look at it and have your say on E-Road. Also quite popular, we've got a story on um, Swiss, the health uh, supplement company. They've launched a salary sacrifice by our commuter bike initiative in Australia. So it's a ride to work scheme uh, initiative and to encourage people to obviously ditch the car, ditch the bus, ditch the Opal card or whatever card you use and ride to work. There's a lot of comments on our website and on socials about this. We'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, salary sacrifice and, and commuter bike initiatives and schemes. It certainly is the answer. Okay, guys. So waiting very patiently here in the studio, uh, we have Alison McGregor from Chainsmith Bikes in Sydney. Hey, Alison. Hi, Nat. And Peter Maniardi, a long-time contributor. We're just saying he's actually been writing for BA since, I think, before the magazine was ever thought of. <laughs> not, not quite. Hey, mate. How are you? <laughs> Good, Pete. And of course, we've got five-time Tour de France writer and Tour Done Under winner, Patrick Jonker, on the phone from Adelaide. Pat, can you hear us there? Yeah, loud and clear, Nat. All Good. Awesome. 
So uh, just first up, an introduction, Alison. Um, you've written a couple of articles for Bicycling Australia now. It's awesome to have you here in the studio. Just in a, a couple of sentences, could you just say good day and, and give an intro of yourself to our listeners? Yeah, thanks, Nat. Uh, so I actually own a bike shop currently uh, in Sydney, Surrey Hills, called Chainsmith, and we specialise in Italian custom road bikes. And uh, our aim is really just to enhance our riders' performance. Uh, and, you know, that, that includes not only the bike, but also apparel, components, accessories. So we really source unique products, uh, making sure that everything's of the quality and standard that will help our riders. So we've got some really unusual things there. Awesome stuff. You've also got some uh, grease under your fingernails, I saw, and a little yeah. bit on your forehead, so you're really hands-on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't tell me about my forehead before I came in here. Didn't so want to mention that. <laughs> Thanks. He's not lying. Uh, yeah, I had a gentleman come in, and, and the uh, the mechanic wasn't in yet, so I had to change a couple of tyres for him. Nice. So That's I great. always come out pretty grotty. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Pete Maniati, you've been an absolute um, pillar of Bicycling Australia for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got some big articles in the, the current edition and the next one we're working on now. But just Indeed. over to you, mate, just a quick intro from yourself. Yeah, so I've been, um, I'm a club writer here in Sydney and I've been writing for the magazine, not since before the magazine existed. You're <laughs> a bit of hyperbole there, but uh, probably for maybe six years or so. Um, and um, yeah, lately it's been a really interesting time. Spoken to a lot of um, people around the world for this 2020 vision article that's in the current issue and also uh, just been up to Taiwan actually last month for the magazine to do a story on um, nice. the production sort of things that are going on up there. And, and I know we're going to talk a bit more about e-bikes in a sec, but, um, you know, that's all anyone wanted to talk about up is there. Is that right? Yeah. Now we've got Patrick there in in uh, sunny SA. How is it there today, Pat? Yeah, nice warm 25 degrees. Yeah, weather's always good in Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> you need no introduction. Uh, having said that, just, just some quick words from yourself, Patrick. Well, I've been doing a fair few bicycle reviews. Obviously, um, it's been my main form of making an income is riding bikes, and now um, I write about it. It's a little bit easier than riding them. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying uh, reviewing bicycles and uh, and traveling around and doing some articles about some of my travels. Yeah, well, we're really enjoying your work. Um, you did actually recently return from the Himalayas, I saw. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Himalayas is the next hotspot for cycle tourism and the Nepalese uh, Tourism Authority are putting a lot of effort behind Nepal 2020. And it's a bicycle-friendly country with uh, no traffic lights and no roundabouts and no problems if you're on a bike. Wow. Awesome. That's fascinating. What, yeah, what, what sort of altitude were you riding, Pat? Uh, we got to uh, 4,000 metres, and wow. next year we're going to go uh, a little bit high to 5,500 metres altitude. Five and a half. How thousand. high do the roads go over there, Pat? Uh, the highest um, motorised road, which means it's asphalted, is on the Indian border. That's mm-hmm. uh, So on the southern border, that's 5,400 metres. Wow. But where we go, uh, we go on a dirt road. So there's an official highest road in the world uh, in the south of Nepal, north of India. Uh, we prefer to stay in the north side near Tibet. So mm-hmm. we're on the border with Tibet. Absolutely astonishing. Fascinating. Everyone here is just... I want to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you send me yeah. next time, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bookings are open for 2020. Excellent. <laughs> nice, Pat. Um, that's really good. So we're going to get straight into, um, I think it's probably uh, one of the top three articles of the next edition. I can't say it's the top one because one of our other major authors <laughs> is right here. <laughs> Ouch. We have thick skins, mate. It's okay. <laughs> Alison, you've just put together an incredible expose on women's cycling kit and apparel. 
Uh, it's pretty heavy hitting. This <laughs> this is a bit of a knockout punch, this article. Could you elaborate on what yeah, you've got for I, us? I, I have to say that uh, I think I've got the advantage. I'm actually not a journalist, so I can be unbiased in many ways. Uh, and I've had quite a few years' experience. I also worked with Rafa for, for quite a few years. But as a cyclist myself, um, I've had some troubles finding women's kit in the past. As a shop owner, yeah, definitely, it's been a struggle to find the quality that we've wanted that uh, that can stand the the wants of our customers as well. So that's sort of the the background there. But being unbiased is helpful because uh, I can actually ask women what do they want, what's not working, uh, and and uh, you know explore that and express that in the article which I've done. Mm. Um, a couple of points. I heard you mention the term. For many years, women's kit has just been a, a factor or matter of shrink it and pink it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty well-known term amongst women. I think it would be hard to, to speak to a woman about kit and not bring mm. that expression up almost. Uh, it is better now and it is definitely getting far better but it's still a state where even this morning I was looking at a particular kit that was recommended um, an Italian brand and I'm always making sure that if we bring anything uh, in it's got male and female uh, equal uh, representation mm. And looking at the females' version, it actually was just the men's, mm, is uh, that right? but they called it, yeah, women's. But it's actually unisex. So we've we've come across that. But also, as far as shrink it and pink it is concerned, there's also the other perspective that well, we can offer women something, but what they want is pink and just a smaller version of the men's, rather yes. than changing the actual cuts for women's specific anatomy. So yeah. you did a survey as as a backbone, basically, of this article? Yeah, uh, that's where I started because I knew, I, I felt that I, I had a good grasp of the problems that women were coming across and also the wins that they they were finding within the market. But I wanted to make sure um, that what I knew was actually truth. So I wanted to back that up with a survey. And within two days, I got over 200 responses wow. and, and I didn't market this, it uh, mm-hmm. I put it on one Facebook for uh, two Facebook forums, mm. um, and just a couple of WhatsApp groups that I'm a member of. So that response was astonishing, okay. uh, and it, it was very generous on their part as well. Yeah, but uh, it was an unbiased. Uh, sorry, uh, not unbiased. It was an anonymous uh, survey request. So. Uh, they didn't have to leave their name, which probably helped with comfortability. And what was surprising is that you could answer yes or no questions, but also they could elaborate, and they certainly did elaborate. <laughs> mm. So there's a, there's quite a few problems out there. That's what I found. Yeah. So uh, this may be a, a, an article that will sort of set a new standard, and maybe uh, some kit companies will really take note. Yeah, I hope so. I think uh, what I really would like is for a lot of companies, uh, manufacturers and brands to take women's uh, needs more seriously mm. uh, and just give a bit more equal representation. Mm. Yeah. What changes have you seen on the woman's side of the sport uh, over the past few years? Uh, there's definitely a growing popularity and spectatorship of women's sport. You're talking about sport rather yeah, yeah. than a, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, sport and particularly cycling, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, cycling in particular, uh, there's a lot of debate that's going on about, um, you know, women's, uh, uh, the inequalities that women are facing within pro cycling, um, which is good. 
it's it's uh, it's very it's argumentative. <laughs> Probably a lot of um, comments that you read on social media, for instance. And I am looking at it from a spectator perspective because mm-hmm. I don't race myself, so I'll make that clear. I do ride, but I don't race. Um, but you know, when you do feel strong about something and you make a comment, you can always um, be sure that there's going to be a hit back, and yeah. usually from men. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's this concern. Well, if I don't say anything, then nothing's going to change. Uh, but at the same time, I know that when I do say something, I'm going to get some heat from from okay. saying, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a difficult position, but yeah. But the the growing popularity is evident. That's for sure. Yeah, it's great to see, isn't it? Yeah. It's really becoming more main, more of a mainstream sports option for Absolutely. females rather than yeah. We other. just need to see it more. Yeah. You know, we need more coverage. Well, you yeah. will, you will, and we've had a few. <laughs> and we've already had a bit of feedback because Bicycling Australia have really been pushing this woman's cycling point, a few people have said, oh, it should just be called cycling. And yes, it will be. We'll call it cycling again and drop that woman word yeah, once yeah. there is that parity and equality, yeah, yeah. which I think is really mm. important. Pete, I'm sure you'd agree. And Pat, it's been a pretty blokey, even Bicycling Australia, I'll admit it, it's been pretty blokey over Absolutely. the years. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Anyone who says otherwise is kidding themselves. Yeah. 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 And Pat, you've seen it on the top level. It's just, it's been really all about the blokes and things are changing last, uh, particularly over the last three or four years. And well, I think it's, we all agree yeah. it's wonderful to see. Uh, you've got to remember, I'm uh, getting older now. Um, back in my day, we used to have this race called Tour Feminine. So women's mm. cycling yeah. was far more popular in my day because we had people like Maria Canis, we had Jenny Longo, the superstar of cycling, Leontine Van Morsel. So um, it was actually quite good to have the Tour de France for men and the Tour de France for women uh, being raced uh, you know, cons- uh, together. So, um, mm. yeah, I was from the heyday of women's cycling. Okay. Isn't that interesting that sometimes it's a case of back to the future mm. of- future to the back. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's actually surprising to hear. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's, it's yeah, good. Look, yeah, women cycling back in the late 80s was a big, big sport. And- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And, uh, you know, Leontine Van Morsel was a superstar of, of the, her country. She raced in Holland. And uh, uh, Jenny Longo, Maria Canis, uh, Connie Carpenter, they're all superstars of the mm. sport. It just, yeah, it's a good question how what happened. Yeah, well, something certainly did happen, sort of slowly went out of favour. And now, obviously, things are really changing. 
it, it's interesting. I mean, women's sport in general, um, it's almost like someone's flicked a switch in the last few years and the marketing departments of all of these big manufacturing businesses, I'm a real believer that e- economics drives change. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can have all of the altruistic and, and equality reasons in the world to make something change and they'd be absolutely you know, legitimate reasons to want that. Mm. But it's when there's money to be made and that factors into the equation that suddenly things start to move and you look at cricket and you look at netball and you look at the uh, W League and the football and the women's AFL, the women's rugby league is trying to get traction. It's probably a little bit behind the other sports. They're not doing that purely for equality. They're doing that because there's money to be made and I suspect, in fact, I don't suspect, I know that cycling will be exactly the same. I mean, there's a huge... It's a huge untapped potential, you know, mm, mm. Um, of money to be made out of promoting the, the women's side of the, yeah, not so much in racing, but participation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is true. I also think that, uh, you know, interest is being generated by women who are within the cycling industry, if we're talking cycling, mm-hmm. uh, that aren't necessarily cyclists. So there's more women entering the professions within cycling industry itself. Yeah, that's mm. totally right. So, yeah. so uh, you know, it's on their agenda as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay, here's to more females getting involved in the sport of cycling over the next 12 months and and obviously on from that. Um, we're just going to jump forward now to 2020. Pete, you've got a massive feature in the current edition of Bicycling Australia, Vision 2020. Now, this has had a lot of, uh, we had a lot of positive comments back on this article. Basically, you've had a look at what we can expect in the world of cycling mm. over the next 12 months. So what would some of the standout points of your investigation in that? Um, yeah, obviously, I spoke to everything from manufacturers and marketers of, you know, big bike companies to, to Tracy Galdry at the UCI, to commentators, um, and obviously a few riders as well. And it depends who you ask. Um, the most common theme, unsurprisingly, was was e road, e road, e cycling, and any sports as well. Not just you know, getting on an e bike for riding yourself, but also the whole, you know, whether it's Swift or one of the other deep e platforms, excuse me, um, and how that might manifest into something far more more competitive. And and you know, the UCI, for example, are, are dead keen on turning that into a fully fledged UCI sport. Amazing, isn't um, it? they see massive potential. Um, talking to Tracy, it was very clear that they see that as a, a really, I yeah. don't know if it's going to be a golden goose, but it's something they, you know, and then, and, and who can deny that that isn't going to happen? I mean, it, it's highly likely that they're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just managing it in the best way. And I think that's more, it's not so, ma- from their point of view, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, it's how we're going to make it happen and how we're going to manage incredible. it. That's incredible. Can yeah. we get Pat in there? Um, Pat, so racing the Tour de France, say 25 years ago, um, <laughs> Did you ever think there'd be a time where people are racing for a world champion jersey from basically yeah. their lounge room or their pain cave at home? And actually, because the UCI, that's what they've brought in from next year. There will be a, mm. a virtual jersey on offer. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think back in the 80s when we had toe straps, toe clips and downward <laughs> levers. Um, for us, you know, the big change in cycling was uh, going from uh, eight speed to nine speed. Mm. Um, to have uh, e-bike racing um, and having a rainbow jersey for that is something no one, I don't think, could ever have dreamt up. Uh, I think anything's good to promote the sport and uh, it absolutely has a, a future. And, uh, um, you know, I uh, work uh, for Bosch in Australia and mm-hmm. for the uh, e-bike uh, batteries and, yeah, they're spending a lot of money trying um, to uh, evolve the technology. So, um the future is looking extremely bright and it's very exciting, I think, for the sport. Mm. So long as people get outside and actually occasionally put the rubber on the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 I know. Look, I mean, 
you know, you want people to get sunburnt a little bit and you want to feel the wind in their hair and you want to, um, it, yeah, that's the whole experience. But no, I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, can't go outside. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a dream. You know, we would never have thought, you know, from the days of toe straps and downward shifters to have, uh, e, e, e cycling or whatever they're going to call it. It's something amazing. Mm. Yeah. Things are definitely changing. Um, more changes in the air. I've just got to keep jumping forward because we've got a fair bit to cover this podcast. Pete, you've also uh, interviewed Mike Turter for yeah. the uh, Jan Feb edition of Bicycling Australia. Yeah, that was a really fun chat we had. Uh, Mike, for people who don't know him, is a very candid gentleman. Um, when you get him on a roll, he uh, the, the anecdotes come flowing very freely, mm. as does the language. And uh, we had a lot of really interesting chats about stuff. This will be his 22nd and his last Tour Down Under as the, the race director. Um, he will be sticking around in some capacity, although what capacity that actually is, remains to be seen. Mm. Um, but yeah, we did a bit of sort of nostalgic, you know, reflecting on the wow. 22 years he's been in charge because really he was one of the driving forces behind setting up the race in the first place mm. back in 1999 and he's the only race director they've ever known. So mm. one way or another, it's going to be a big shift over the next year or two when he does sort of gradually sort of step away. Um, so Australia Day this year, stage six and Wollonga Hill will be his last race day in charge of Australia's premier cycling race. So um, the end of an era. How fitting. Uh, Pat, you, you've obviously worked very closely with Mike Turter um, since the inception of the Tour Down Under. So, mm. big changes ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's the talk. I'm in Adelaide. So, yeah, that's, of course, the talk uh, around Adelaide. Uh, uh, Mike Turter has done an amazing job. Uh, back in 1997, he spoke about this idea he had. And people like myself and Stuart O'Grady, we really didn't think it was possible what Mike had planned. And, um, yeah, two years later, Mike had got some government funding. And uh, next thing you know, there's an inaugural Tour Down Under and uh, haven't looked back since. It's gone from success to success. And yeah, the talk around Adelaide, of course, you know, who's going to replace Mike Turter. Mm. I don't think anyone can replace Mike Turter, but there's going to be a substitute. And, um, yeah, we, uh, it will be interesting, interesting to see who will uh, take Mike's job. Well, we can't really say who, but I guess we could cobble together um, a couple of the clues and see <laughs> see um, what comes of that. Mike um, was very disciplined not to tell me who it is, although I think uh, we both knew who it's probably going to be. But Well, he definitely did, <laughs> and I think I do. <laughs> anyway, one of the interesting things actually talking to Mike Turner about the first year was um, he really had, as I said, so what was your expectation for the race in that first edition? And he said, look, Peter, to be honest with you, I was hoping if we were still around in a year or two, that would be a pretty good result. Really? Yeah, wow. And then on that first night, it was a street circuit, the first race, the first stage of the first tour in Adelaide. I think it was the east end of Adelaide, and he said, you know, that we had over 40,000 thousand people out and he said I was absolutely shitting myself wow. because we had nowhere near enough police we had nowhere near enough barriers um, and we were flying by the seat of our pants and luckily we got away with it yeah. um, but I think that just stunned everybody and obviously he was you know being as optimistic as anybody um, and look at what's happened ever since it's just got bigger and bigger yeah. and, and better and, and of the course crowds. the women's tour done under yeah Alison you, you've been uh, you know some pretty full-on action down there I was talking to Anna Mears la at the last TDU and I said I reckon this is better that more exciting than the, the men's racing yes I know I I feel absolutely terrible I haven't watched the women's race there I've always had to take time off work uh, and mostly where the you know when customers are there so unfortunately that's with the the men's but I have watched uh, I know a couple of the girls that have been in the tours 
so it's it's always exciting times and hopefully this year coming I will actually make mm. it I think it's the 19th of January they, they kick off yeah yeah, yeah so and, and, and pretty exciting news the women's TDU and the men's will be broadcast well the men's has been broadcast for years so the women's will be broadcast on the seven one of those seven channels they've got mm. you know, lots Absolutely. of streaming so yeah. you know it's it's fantastic news for the race I know and the opportunity to actually watch it lifetime yeah. in the daytime is just awesome rather yeah. than staying up at night watching yeah. the tours overseas. Plus, of course, so. the decision uh, two years ago now for equal prize money for the um, riders of the women's Absolutely. TDU. Yeah. I think one men's. of the great things too for the women's race down in Adelaide is that the, slowly but surely the two races are starting to come together on the calendar. Like There was yep. a time when there was actually some separation and, and it would, like you say, Ali, it was difficult to, yeah. to catch both. But now you've got the final stage of the, the women's tour on the same night as the curtain raiser mm. um, for the men, I think. And you know, they're, they're, they're close together. Mm. They're on the same circuit and it, it, it should be like that. You know, yeah, they, they shouldn't agree. be separated. It's mm-hmm. one one city, one event, and um, they're two different parts of it. And it's yeah, great. More sure. people will see it. Yeah, and I think it's good that um, the men's cycling in that sense is going to help promote the women's cycling too mm. because it gives spectators the opportunity to, to remain there. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, and it's, it's great good. for the economy. I mean, let's not forget mm-hmm. the whole reason the Tour Down Under exists in the first place is, 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 is primarily economic and tourism, right? Yeah. Yeah, get people to stay a bit longer or bring a different crowd down who stay maybe and do overlap a little bit. It, it just ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah, yeah talking about uh, kit before, actually, I always think that the TDU is a bit like a, the fashion mecca of cycling <laughs> during the, the calendar year for Australia. It's amazing. Everyone's wearing a different colour kit You're and right. something new. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's phenomenal. So, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, very I had good experience of that with Pat at this year's TDU. Hey, Pat, some Did nice you? new kit out of the bag for a, a, a ride. So always yeah. an exciting time it's, of year. Sounds like a story there. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's what the director sportifs say from Europe who uh, come here. A lot of them are ex-teammates. They're blown away by the fashion sense of the Australian cyclists. So if you talk to them, they'll tell you they're, they're blown away. Yeah. So, Pat, let's jump forward to the final stage, uh, Wollonga Hill. Richie Port is obviously going to be seventh, um, seventh mm, attack at his little favourite point. Is that is that right, Pat? Oh, look, uh, Richie Port has been unbeatable on Wollonga Hill for uh, for such a long time now. Um, he's almost psyched out his opposition, but uh, there's some rumours there's some big names coming for next year's Tour Down Under, which Mike will announce soon. And uh, some of them names are, you know, they're a uh, you know, podium place getters of the Tour de France. So wow. some big names will be announced, nice and maybe hopefully Richie Port will have um, a fight on his hands mm. as he tries and win, try to win another Wollonga Hill stage. Yeah. Um, another homegrown hero, Jay McCarthy, is obviously also good competition. Is Jay sort of developing and slowly coming of age to, to really challenge um, Richie on, yeah. on Wollonga? Yeah, Jay McCarthy, um, who I, I know quite well um, from the under-23 days, um, has been one of the great talents of Australian cycling. Um, since uh, joining, of course, the Bora Anzagrower team with Peter Sagan, um, sometimes his role um, has changed a little bit. So we hope that I think next year will be a defining year for Jay and uh, uh, that'll be the year where he can prove himself as a GC rider. And uh, hopefully we can see that in January where, uh, yeah, you're right, Jay challenges for the overall win. Um, yeah. you know, one of the it's... brightest talents we have. <laughs> Together with Caleb, of course. It's a fascinating race in that regard. We do see things a little earlier, don't we? It's almost like a litmus test of what will occur mm-hmm. later. I remember Egan Bernal uh, won Best Young Rider, was it two years ago, at the TDU, and he just mm. looked a 16-year-old with big white eyes, mm. you know, terrified <laughs> of talking to the media. Um, and then look what happened two years yeah. later. 
Yeah, if I may. uh, Also, have to keep in mind uh, next year is going to be a completely different year. So um, you're going to see a lot of more big names at the Tour Down Under because there are a fair few riders are not riding the Tour de France because it clashes with Tokyo Olympics. Okay. So the Tour de France, for I think it's not the first time ever. The Tour de France will start in June, uh, which has never happened. The Tour of Italy finishes pretty much on the 31st of May. So the Tour of Italy is going to be the flavor for many pros. So to prepare for the Tour of Italy, the Tour Down Under is perfect preparation. So it will be interesting to see the names that come out Mm. um, to prepare for the Giro at Tour Down Under. Wow, exciting. And that's obviously the men's and the women's um, race. Mm. Uh, Also an awesome time of year to see the new gear and um, have a close look at some of the the accessories on the bikes. I remember SRAM... Uh, sneakily launched their AXS at the TDU last year or the year before. Uh, we were trying to get some photos and Trek team guys were coming up saying, no photos, no photos. Yeah, but, yeah so we'll be close close uh, eyes on all, all areas. Plenty of fake decals on wheels and frames. And <laughs> fake name decals. <laughs> Campagnolo have done that a few times, I know. Is that With right? the Ridley boys, yeah, with their wheels. Yeah, interesting. Um, Pat, just back finally on Richie Port. Yeah. Uh, let's hope he goes forever. But is this going to be his last attack in um, yeah. in pro kit up Wollonga Hill? Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah. So in the in the rumor veil of pro cycling, um, yeah, that's that's what they're talking about. Um, I don't think um, Richie believes it's possible to podium at the Tour de France, and and maybe now that in a way mentally and maybe his team also um, are thinking, well, maybe he's not the Grand Tour uh, winner we had in mind. But without mm. that pressure, who knows what could happen. But next year, 2020, will be uh, the all or nothing for Richie. And uh, it could well, yeah, I agree, it could well be the last time we're going to see Richie Port flying up Wollonga Hill at 28 kilometres an hour. <laughs> um, um, unless something extraordinary happens. But, oh, yeah, I hope he has an extraordinary year next year. But, yeah. Yeah, there have been some disappointments and uh, yeah. some ser- serious crashes along the way as well. Mm-hmm. So it's been a difficult yeah. journey. One thing that struck me about uh, Wollonga Hill, Pat, you may know the answer to this, but I- I'm just trying to think of any other rider, in certainly in the last 10, 20 years, that, that mm. has won the same race or same stage yeah. so mm, many times repeatedly. in succession. It's extraordinary. Six, even if he doesn't win in 2020, yeah. he's won it six <laughs> times in a row at World Tour level. I mean, can you think no. of anybody else who's dominated a stage like that? No. No, yeah. no. When you talk, talk talk about the whole professional cycling scene, or not even that, under twenty three, mm. and you, you look at every single race and every single mountain climb, mm-hmm. it's not just that he wins that stage; he attacks at the same place yeah. as well. Yeah. Everyone yeah. knows so, what's yeah, coming, yeah. and it still works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he attacks it exactly as you go left and where the pine trees are, and it veers a bit right. That's where Richie will attack in twenty twenty, and every single pro knows that. Mm-hmm. And he will then pop it into the big chain ring with about. 800 meters to go. Um, everyone knows what he's going to do, uh, but no, no, no one's capable of <laughs> yeah. following him. I don't even think that Egan Bernal, Chris Froome, Jerry and Thomas, in their best form, can mm-hmm. can beat uh, Richie on Wollonga Hill. Uh, no one's got an explanation. It's a psychological. Mm. He's physically in great shape coming from training in Tassie up Mount Wellington for a, a few months. And, um, yeah, well, it may well be the last time we see Richie uh, flying up Wollonga Hill and who knows uh, who's going to follow in his footsteps. It'll be nice to see a young Aussie challenge him, like Nat said, Jay McCarthy mm. up there. That'll be really good to see. 
It'll be interesting to see how Jay goes. It looks like Peter Sagan's going to be in South America because the race mm. he's down, the race in starts the day after the Tour Down Under finishes, uh-huh. so it's pretty much impossible to do them both. Yeah. Um, mm. If that's the case, do you think that'll really free up opportunities yeah, for Jay? It would seem on surface like it would do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the team management as well, um, you know, the team directors. Um, obviously, not having Sagan there would, would put all the focus on Jay and yeah. have full team support. And, um, you know, he's had some good good uh, days at Tour Down Under. Absolutely. So I believe, um, you know, if, if Jay can get the training in necessary at the moment in November, December, then, um, yeah, he, he'll have support from the, the Bora Anza Grower team. Mm-hmm. Now, Alison was um, nodding uh, uh, when we were talking about Richie. Obviously, a big fan. Uh, I think it's hard not to be a big mm. fan of yeah. Richie, yeah. Uh, especially on Wollonga Hill. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Uh, no, it's going to be good, good this year. But next year's, if if that is the case, next year's going to be even more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not more exciting, but it's certainly going to be exciting. Yeah, it leaves it open for anybody. Yeah, what we need is that woman's TDU to finish on the top of Wollonga. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have, have the women have ever been great. over Wollonga Hill, Pat? No, no. But I don't think. Yeah, abso- yeah, I can't remember abso- it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you guys are right. That's absolutely the women should really have a stage finish up Wollonga as yeah. well. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's very difficult. Look, I'm talking back in the 80s where things were different, but uh, the women did finish the Tour de France stage on Alep d'Huez, and uh, mm. uh, Maria Canis won the stage on Alep d'Huez for the women's Tour de France. So, um, but yeah, it's probably logistically it's not as easy as just you know, making yeah. it happen. But maybe it can happen on a different day. Uh, mm. That the women finish their race on Wollonga Hill, mm-hmm. that'd be great. I think that'd be brilliant for the sport, hey? Mm, yeah, for for the for the media, for TV, uh, for everyone, it'll be uh, uh, I think fantastic and propel the women's cycling uh, uh, to another level again. Yeah, awesome. Okay, we're going to start to wrap things up. I'm just going to quickly ask each of you, uh, what's what's what have you got coming up? Um, we'll start with you there, Pat, down the line in Adelaide. What's what's the next big thing on the agenda for Pat Yonker? Uh, yeah, it's all about Tour Down Under, so um, we're going to have daily bike rides from the Tour Down Under village, so if you're from interstate listening, um, the times and everything will be up on uh, social media, Tour Down Under website, etc. Um, but uh, 7 o'clock every morning, Tour Down Under village, come and join myself and uh, many others uh, for rides around the Adelaide Hills and on the flats, and that's uh, presented by Tour Down Under and Santini, uh, awesome. sponsor. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to another fantastic Tour Down Under. That's wonderful, Pat. Um, Pete, what, what's up? What's coming up? Yeah, well, obviously, as a, a cycling journalist, it's a slightly quieter time of year with the racing's finished, but the, the flip side of that, being Australian, is obviously a lot of the guys are home um, mm. for a bit of a break. Uh, that said, I spoke to Caleb Ewan a couple of weeks ago, and he's full full on back into training now. Yeah. Um, Been spotted around Sydney the last yeah, few days. Yeah, he's not going to be staying in Sydney for long. He's got to go back to Belgium for his uh, training camp um, mm. for 2020, and then they're going down to Mallorca. Yorker, so he'll be here for a little while. Okay. And um, he's got uh, his in-laws live up at have a house up in Noosa, so he said he'll spend a bit of time there. Nice. And then yeah. he'll be. What did he say? He's, he's going to be spending ninety hours in planes over the next. Uh, oh wow. Between now and the end of the year, so um, whew, half his luck, hey? Yeah, but, yeah um, for sure. Yeah, so so that that will be interesting. Hopefully, you get to catch up with a, a few of the the riders while they're out here for their off season, and then. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to Mudgee, mate. I know it's a while away, yeah. Mudgee Classic. You know, now that's sort of out in full swing and yeah, the yeah, kids sure. come out and stuff like that. So Mudgee's going to be a cracker. We've got Pat's long. working on the, the Clare Classic and the gravel fondo yeah. down in Clare. Yeah. You've got, yeah, you're coming to Mudgee. Yep. Alison's coming up to Mudgee. 
<laughs> I've never ridden a bike out there before. I assume it's oh. going to be cold by that time of year. But no, anyway, no, it'll, it'll be, be beautiful. Right. It'll be fine. Short sleeves, short sleeves. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. gorgeous. Um, and then the other thing from my point of view is we talked about this off air before was just um, obviously off cycling is coming to a bit of a head um, at the moment. And, and I'm just, you know, from the point of view of someone who's passionate about the sport, it, it's just hoping that that will, whatever happens, um, it, it, it gets sort of put to bed and everyone gets back to making cycling great in whatever model that happens Let's to be make under. cycling great again. Yeah, because there's, there's been a lot of division and, and obviously that's not good for anybody. Yeah. Alison? Uh, so next year, we're in a lucky position. We actually get to go to Italy every year and wow. uh, meet our manufacturers, companies, brands. So that's always exciting. But uh, last, uh, last trip, I met with a lot of uh, new frame builders in Italy for us. Uh, I mean, they've been around for for generations but um, yeah the frame builders themselves so this year coming I'm going to be writing a book uh, so it's any hint can you give us any little <laughs> snippets here <laughs> I thought I just did <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. interesting so, so yeah so it'll it'll be really looking at, at what we love uh, which is custom custom bikes okay guys read Alison's article yeah. on women's kit and apparel in the next January February bicycling Australia it's an absolute cracker, and I guarantee once you read even half of that article, you're going to want to buy her book <laughs> or order this, pre-order this book. Is he your agent? <laughs> I know. It's no, I'm serious. I'm, I'm serious. wondering. I'm, I'm sure. worrying. I'm a big fan. I, I think and, – and, and that Gravel article you submitted for a previous edition, it's wonderful stuff. Yeah. Okay, uh, guys, we've got to wrap up our podcast. Pat Yonker down in Adelaide, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome, Pat, and um, we're really looking forward to catching up in Adelaide. Pete, Ali, thank, thank you, you so much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you for listening. Our next podcast will be coming to you live from the Tour Done Under in Adelaide. Um, Pat Yonk is going to join us again, uh, as I said, a former winner of the race, and we will have some big-name special guests. Um, it's going to be really worth listening to. In the meantime, please share this podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, and safe cycling out there. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.